Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Wrestling Recommendations. Recommendations. I am your host, Eddie Shepard, along with uh, uh, Twitter and Travis Lasseter right now. The congested Travis Lasseter. Trying to see if John Moxley's uh, bleeding yet. No. Oh, God. Bleeding, bleed, bleeding John needs to know. You let him I, know, love that, you know. I love that people were putting over the bleeding John uh, Twitter over uh was it over the weekend or a couple days ago i don't remember when that's yeah, the end of last week some guys like if there's a twitter that <laughs> kept up with all the times john moxley bled or something and then it's like you mean like at bleeding john and i was like oh shit here we go and then the guy's like, that's that guy's like that's pathetic and i'm like uh i wanted to be like yeah like your whole fucking life but never mind <laughs> so you heard it here first Mark. travis <laughs> Bleeding John, that's his Twitter handle. <laughs> no, it's not. I just know the guy that does it. Oh, Seems man. like a nice guy. I uh, I am exhausted. Um, the week this week like culminates most of the sports. Uh, my daughter started basketball tonight. They had their first scrimmage. Um, one of the kids puked on the court, so that was fun. Um, hey, but, uh, they're hey, you're fucking running hard, man. You run them goddamn poles, and you puke. <laughs> You one uh, end of the court to the other. Fucking seven and eight years old. Who gives a shit? You they only it. allowed uh, my daughter's team only allowed a, allowed two baskets. Um, the other uh, their team though, man, they got some good shooters. I think they're gonna do really well this year. So shout out to their team. Um, I'm really excited for the season to officially start. What it, what is puking for? Puking is for pussies. Damn right. Maybe Dad didn't raise no pussy. <laughs> Travis, last week's episode. Uh, what'd you think? I enjoyed it. Um, going back and listening to the Mega Powers exploding is always a, a good trip down memory lane. I uh, got some positive feedback from some people in North Carolina that uh, are huge Macho Man fans that were like a little be. nostalgia. So, um, guy I know uh, is a huge Macho Man mark, and he was really excited with the show. So, um, you know, kudos for that. Uh, and uh, got a got a nice little following going there. We get some positive feedback from our friend Fat Fuck Scott. Um, I think Br- our friend at Wrestling Ruin Brandon even chimed in a little bit this week. So, you know what? Even if he is Canadian, you know, good wrestling Every- is good wrestling. Even Canadians love Macho Man. So there's that. As they should. I mean, who else they really got to look up to? Fucking Bruce Hart. I mean, Lance Storm. Don't be a dick. <laughs> oh, sorry. If I could be serious for a moment, exactly. Bruce Hart. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> so this week's episode, guys, this one is kind of it, you were talking about one in a, one out of left field. This one is kind of out of left field. Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Juventud Guerrera from ECW Man, Big Ass Extreme Bash in 1996. I'm batting a thousand here. I have hit four for four on the wheel of names. Um, I know, man. I was looking, I, every every match has been mine. Every every time I. Uh, 
I, I send the list to myself to add to the will of names and I shuffle it. I'm like, there's like an equal amount of matches here. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So, uh, but yeah, this one is out of left field. First time you've seen this match, Travis, when was it? Oh uh, man. I want to say this match is on some of those ECW um, DVD slash VHS releases um, from Pioneer. Um, I can't remember which one it is, but I know the match is on there. I have it. I have it and on that's my the first, the first time I saw it. I have it in my notes. Uh, we'll get to it, but it is it is on one of the compilations that they put out, uh, like at the, the dying days of ECW, like two early two thousand one. Uh, they put actually, out a bunch of DVDs. Actually, some of them came out in two thousand two after the company had already fucking went under. But they, I guess they'd already signed a contract, so they were allowed to come out. I, I don't know how bankruptcy shit works, but I know printed on some of the DVDs it says two thousand two Pioneer Entertainment which is fucking wild to think about. Yeah, there's there was two. And I think one's like the ECW Revolution, I think is one of them. I remember there's Rob Van Dam's on the cover of one of them. Uh, the one that, that's mm-hmm. on this one, I believe, it's it's like a guy in handcuffs with his hands behind his head. Like, that's all you see. But yeah. we'll get to that. Uh, that that is hardcore actually the first. That's it. Hardcore history, yes. That mm-hmm. That's the first time I saw it as well there back in the day when I lived in Florida. So this was years ago. Uh, there was a... DVD shop sold like bootleg CDs too. Um, like they sold legit CDs, but they would sell like shit you couldn't find that was just bootlegs. Uh, which kind of like that place we went to in uh, Nashville where I found that mm. ghost record uh, that was a bootleg. I was kind of like that, but they had DVDs. And anytime I'd see ECW stuff, I'd always be like, oh shit, uh, I'm, oh, I, gotta, I gotta see this. So that was one of the DVDs I found. And uh, I remember watching this, I'm like, oh shit, I'm like, not realizing Rey Mysterio and Hoovy were in ECW beforehand because I wasn't really accessible to have an ECW at the time. Two two quick questions. Since you lived in Florida, did you guys get ECW? Because they 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 toured down there a lot. The weird thing about that is right before I moved to Florida, I was living in Indianapolis. And this was probably like 96-ish. So probably around the time this match happened, I was living in Indy. Um, And I would be up super late on like Friday nights. And it'd be like 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. And ECW would be on in Indianapolis. And I don't, don't, for the life of me, I don't remember it was on like a local channel or something. It was was syndicated, you know. Um, But in Florida, I never really got to watch it until uh, ECW showed up on TNN, which uh, was, was it the lead-in for Rollerball? Yeah, it's, it, I think it starts in either late ninety. Is it? I think it starts in ninety nine. I know two thousand has it, because um, I think it's ninety nine because Raven comes back, and that's one yep. of the big things. He slides in the ring and helps them meet the Dudley boys. And uh, yeah, because yeah. the Dudley saying they're gonna take the tag titles to the WWF, and give them the Vince Man some good shit. Well, yeah, yeah, we had a uh, store like you're talking about a bootleg store. It, it was called CDs, C D E Z. So now it would take on a whole new meaning in the world but uh i bought what hardcore history and you're gonna pop at this it was a place called music for a song and they were the only place you could find like wwf and ecw dvds at the time and they were always a little overpriced but it was the only place to find them besides like a sam goody or some shit like that that doesn't exist anymore but music for a song was my go-to wrestling place when i was coming along it was in our outlet mall and uh, my mom used to hate it because I'd stand there for like 45 minutes deciding which wrestling DVD or VHS I wanted to buy. Yes, we had a music for a song uh, 
in in our Tanger outlet mall, the one that we met at, that's where we became friends. Uh, and that's where I used to always get fucking CDs for like five, six dollars a piece when I first moved here in high school. So it was really awesome. That's funny. That did make me pop. The two competitors tonight. The first, of course, has to be Ray Mysterio Jr. Oscar Gutierrez. With an eye. With an eye. Yeah, with an eye. Oscar Gutierrez was born on December 11th, 1974. He made his debut in Mexico on April 30th, 1989, 14 years old. Of course, he was trained by his uncle, who was Ray Mysterio Sr. That's how he got the name. He would use such ring names as, I'm going to butcher these names there in Spanish. I failed Spanish. La Lagarricha Verde, which is the green lizard. Uh, Calibri, which is the mm-hmm. hummingbird. Uh, before his uncle would actually give him the name Ray Mysterio Jr. In AAA, Ray Mysterio would feud with Juventud Guerrero. Uh, Mysterio's uncle also took on uh, Guerrero in a Guerrero, excuse me, in a tag match. Uh, Mysterio Senior and Mysterio Junior would face Juventud and Juventud's father, who was also a wrestler, uh, Fuerza Guerrero. Uh, Ninety-five, Ray Mysterio signed an exclusive deal with ECW. He would debut in September of 95 at Gangster's Paradise, defeating Psychosis, who was also making his ECW debut, which I believe you can find a lot of those Psychosis matches around, too. I believe we actually have some of those on our list. I think they actually might be from WCW, though. Yeah, the, 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 the Psychosis, Psychosis match and ECW is wearing all the all, all white, white gear mm-hmm. with like the, the orange highlights or whatever. Um, I think they're on pretty much any Rey Mysterio DVD, like showing his career highlights i'm sure there's one of those on there yeah i know the big one just doing research the match that kept popping up was the match uh, him and psychosis had at uh bash of the beach 96 which is uh which is a pretty good match uh on on top of that we've actually at ngw have booked psychosis great guy i really enjoyed him i'd love to have him back they would actually feud, um, and they would have a two out of three falls match and a, Dex- a Mexican death match. So um, a lot of these guys, you'll kind of figure out here in a little bit too. Conan was the one that was bringing in all of these guys. Uh, Travis's favorite wrestler, of course. Conan's uh, shout a out. piece of shit. Super deep piece, cut. Piece of fucking shit. I hate Conan. So really quick before sidebar, before uh, or any kind of Christmas present or, you know, we always give each other shitty wrestling gifts. Like Travis alluded to on the Macho Man uh, Hogan episode we just did that I have a autographed picture of Leaping Lanny Poffo with like uh, a Jerry Curl and a Frisbee and like rhinestone shirt. Classic. Um, Travis has a shit ton of Conan autographs. So that's kind of our go-to with Travis. And And I fucking... A fucking Vincent one, too. I found it the other day when I was going through a box. There's a random-ass Vincent one. I don't even remember where the joke stemmed from. I don't even remember where it came from. I think it's because I, I bought that damn 3 Live Crew DVD, TNA DVD. It was the last one I needed to complete my collection. And it was not because I wanted, not because Conan was awesome, but it was the hardest-to-find DVD of TNAs. And it stuck with me forever. Um, You got a Bruce Hart one for your birthday before I gave you a real one. You did. You did get me a Bruce Hart. Then you got me a Bret Hart one. It was like fucking cool. It was like, this is fucking Bret Hart, man. This is awesome. (laughs) But I have a Bruce Hart one as well, which is going to, it's just sitting in a drawer because I'm not putting that out anywhere. (laughs) Conversation or why do you have a Bruce Hart autograph picture? Let me tell you about it. Uh, Ray would go on to have a series of matches with ECW newcomer Juventud Guerrera. During early 1996, uh, he would wrestle his final ECW bout at this show, 
the big ass extreme bash in March of 96. Juventud Guerrera, Anibal Hernandez made his wrestling debut in March of 92. So only four years before this, he was a mainstay of the AAA promotion for most of his early career. He had a lengthy feud with Rey Mysterio Jr. in which they traded the WWA World Lightweight Championship back and forth. Guerrera wrestled in many Mexican independent promotions as a mass wrestler, but first gained American exposure in ECW alongside fellow luchadors Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, Conan, and La Parca, all of whom were wrestling for Conan's prom- uh, promotion promo Azteca in Mexico at the time. When Conan left for WCW, everybody went with him. He took everybody with him. Uh, Conan started showing up. I believe was it in was it early '96 that he he showed up? Yeah, because he's in the tassel tights and all that stuff, and he wore the mask. He's the the Mexican heavyweight champion, and he wrestles Flair and all that fun stuff. Like he and then isn't he, he the he one that joins the, the the one man gang, and he wins the U.S. title that way. Yeah, and he also um, joins the Dungeon of Doom, and that's when he starts wearing uh, the flannels with the button at the top because I have a uh, magazine cover of that over on our uh, Teespring store that Brandon made a cover of a WCW magazine, and Conan's in the front like, oh, look at me. (laughs) You you heard it here first, boys and girls. He said it. He said it. Conan's his favorite wrestler. You, I have in my notes here too. You could, you could. This is just me talking. You could say Conan single-handedly helped WCW become a success uh, with yeah. the signing of these luchadors because Monday Nitro had just started at the end of '95 in September '95, and most people look back at WCW with um, rose-colored lenses and see it in a different light now than then. But the luchadors, man, the luchadors and the cruiserweights are what kind of put WCW on the map there in 96, 97, 98. Well, without Conan, there is no light heavyweight division. I mean, just just plain and simple. Like, without him being there, like, they're not going to get any of those stars because they're not going to have a connection to um, uh, the Mexican uh, Lucha Libre wrestlers. Um, because they didn't have anybody. Yeah, they really at the I time mean, they had they had Eddie, they had Malenko, um, but they didn't really have a whole lot of people um in the in the cruiserweight division that would make a splash like the luchadors would. And the luchadors were something a lot of um national nationally televised wrestling fans had not seen, uh, especially in the States. Maybe you know in Mexico, you know, luchador wrestling is is very popular in the States, it really wasn't so he was pretty much at the forefront of bringing luchador wrestling to the States. Well, what was it like the first time that anybody really noticed Lucha Libre was, um, was it, is it War of the Worlds? The AAA show they have in California, like that, uh, Eric Bischoff helped like co-produce. Yeah. It's like, Mike Tanae's the announcer. It's, yes, uh, cause I actually looked up footage of this worlds. and one of the, um, one of the uh, matches I, that's on one of Ray Mysterio's DVDs, like documentaries, it's actually from that show. And he works a six-man tag match. I can't remember who's all in. I think Psychosis is in it and um, uh, Silver King's in it. So there's quite a few people. Um, it's weird that it's not on the network. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that might be because it has some stuff to do with AAA, maybe. I'm assuming. I'm not really sure. But we talked about the competitors. Let's talk about ECW and the event, Big Ass Extreme Bash. 
This was a two-night ECW show from March 8th and March 9th of 1996. The March 8th card was held in Queens, New York, while the 9th card was held in the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. Clips of Big Ass Extreme Bash would be aired on episodes 151, 152, and 153 of the syndicated television show of Hardcore TV in March of 96. This show is notable as it marked the final ECW appearances of Cactus Jack, as he would leave for the WWF right after this, because I believe the WrestleMania, the night after WrestleMania 12 is when he shows up as Mankind. Is he wearing the Mankind boots on this show to break them in? Isn't that the show, or is it the one before it? I'm I know it's really, around think, this time he does. I, I'm not really sure. I remember the match. I, I watched some of the clips, but I, I wasn't really focusing on his boots. Um, really, the big thing it's kind of on this is Pillman, and he's he's kind of oh. a big a big thing during this show. Uh, also, this would be the final appearances of Hoobie and Rey Mysterio as they would join WCW shortly after this. Uh, this match was featured on ECW's DVD, like we mentioned, a Hardcore History from 2001, uh, which is where I first saw this match. Uh, it's also available on the Rey Mysterio compilation, The Life of a Masked Man. We, we would go on to have a couple of these matches that are kind of notable, like I was talking about earlier. Uh, night one of this two-night show, Chris Jericho and Cactus Jack, for the very first time, I want to say it's the only time. Yeah, I don't really have that many matches. Uh, I know that's a big part of his Hall of Fame, was that he had never beat Jericho or something, and then they had that little match, and then CM Punk counts the one, two, three for him, so he, he can say he beat Chris Jericho. In Madison Square Garden, I believe yeah. that was a big sticking point or big point of his uh, speech. And not too long after this, Jericho would go on to be in WCW as well as a Lionheart Chris Jericho. Um, Taz would take on Mikey Whipwreck. The Eliminators would take on the Pitbulls, and uh, these men would go on, as in Rey Mysterio and Hoovy, would go on to have this match two nights in a row uh, mm-hmm. as they competed on March eighth show in a two out of three falls match. Hoovy winning the third fall on night one. Night two, we would get Taz versus Chris Jericho, Raven and Shane Douglas, and we would see Brian Pillman, huge, huge part of night two, getting super heat with Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas, of course, right off that run as Dean Douglas in the WWF, which would have been the end of 95. I don't know that his exact last date with the WWF, I know he worked Survivor Series, but I don't rem- I don't recall him being around much after that. But there's some notable stuff going on here. Um, of course, there is some bullshit, as Travis would know, going through hardcore TVs. Um, so this is kind of a gym, and you're about to lose two of the bigger stars to WCW. Yeah, and that's the thing is like they're going to lose their whole like luchador thing because they don't really have any luchadors after this that I that I can remember. Um, that come no, in to have but matches, do, but you do get uh Lance Storm and Chris Candido shortly after this, and yep. that gets me all hard and hot bothered. That's um, it's a little strange, but understandable. Oh, fuck you. Well, guys, before we start watching this match, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with you. We believe the mat is sacred, honor is real. And everything is discussed under pure rules. My name is Ryan, one half of the Wrestling Purist Podcast. We review all things wrestling and don't pull any punches. We do an episode every Sunday where we go back and watch a pre-2020s pay-per-view and then talk about it in a segment we call the Retro Review. 
I also do an episode every Friday morning in our WIN series, WIN just stands for Weekend News. It gives me an opportunity to freely shoot on 10 news topics from the past week. I also do pay-per-view predictions and reactions to large breaking news stories like Tony Khan being the new owner of Ring of Honor Wrestling. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Check out our Twitter page, at the WP underscore pod. That's T-H-E-W-P underscore P-O-D for all updates. Our pinned tweet has other links as well, like our merch store and how to support our show directly. Remember, whether you agree with us or not, we're right, because we are the Wrestling Purists. And we're back! I know, we're back, we're ready, let's do this damn thing. Did John Moxley bleed tonight? He did not bleed tonight, and I uh, have to update the. My friend has to update his uh, Twitter um, to let everybody know. But no, uh, not that I know of. He did not bleed unless it was in the post match beatdown with the firm, whatever f- kind of fucking name that is. What, what was but, the you know, what, what, the pinnacle? It's also a pretty shitty name. Not gonna lie to you. That never broke up, but was never really together or or whatever. Good okay, guys. Go ahead and get your Peacocks pulled up. Um, this one was a little bit harder to find on the Peacock app. Uh, if you go to, uh, what is it? Um, so if you look up Big Ass Extreme Bash, I believe it does pull up. Uh, you will find it on under the ECW tab eventually. Uh, where did you find it? I can't remember where we found it at, Travis. I just scrolled to the bottom where it had the ECW shows. And it's about four over because they have them in alphabetical order. And it was Big Ass Extreme Bash down there like that. But you We're can also start- look under like super shows. On top of that, I believe this full match is on YouTube as well. So you can also watch it on YouTube. Uh, we're going to start this show at, at the one hour, nine minute and 23 second mark. So give them a little bit to get that pulled up, get that kind of set up. Um, like I said, you can also watch it on YouTube or you can just listen along with us as we kind of break down some of the stuff with uh, with ECW. But we're going to get rolling here. I'm going to say three, two, one, play and we'll get this started. Travis, are you ready, my friend? Ready and willing. And Gable. Three, two, one, play. Fat ass No fucking entrances whatsoever. I was going to look it up, and also it says one hour timey limit instead of time. It's T I M I E. Good job. They they have a lot of misspellings in this in ECW. What was it? Confrontation versus confrontation <laughs> that I found one time in 1995. Yeah, we get no entrances. Uh, they also spit in each other's face. This is kind of a been a long ongoing feud for you know through years from Mexico all the way to ECW, and eventually they're going to have matches in WCW. Yeah, I mean, you can tell these guys know each other pretty well with this match and, like, had the big feud in AAA and stuff. So this is probably just like, hey, let's just go out there and give them the match that we did in uh, Mexico. And um, that's what we're getting here. A lot of a lot of chain wrestling to start out, which is which is nice to see. The ECW was known for that at this time. I don't I like Rey Mysterio's here. mask here, by the way, with the things over his eyes. It's oh, yeah. Just, it just, I just never really liked the, uh, the like, the liger. I guess esque things over his eyes. Yeah, the, the, my problem with this match is both men have almost the exact same style of gear on, like the same color scheme. So it's really hard to distinguish them. Of course, you know, Hubie has long hair, but still, I mean, the gear is very similar. It's weird seeing Rey Mysterio not be, you know, completely tatted up like he is now. He looks, he looks so young. 
Do um do you know that this uh Hooventude outfit is actually made into a wrestling figure? Yes, it is that Luchadors uh the one that they they put out the Lucha Brothers and I think Taya Valkyrie mm-hmm. also has a figure with them. Yep. The Legends of Lucha from Boss Fight Studios is this exact attire. Um it's not an elite form, it's almost like their basic figure though, so there's no articulation in the chest. Yes, uh I am a figure nerd out there guys. I, <laughs> I know about these things. But this is before Hoovy got tatted up too, and before he became the juice. Did you? Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, this match is two out of three falls. They call uh, was it uh, Extreme Luchadors is what they call it. It's like Luchador Extreme, um, Lucha Libre Extreme, basically is what they call this match. Uh, the estimated draw for both shows was around twelve hundred fans. Not bad. Uh, it looks like a lot of people, but the building is pretty small. But kudos to them uh, making the best of what they got here. Uh, well, I'm gonna think. Think about it too. A lot of these people are repeat people. Like they, they're here every fucking show. Like oh, the yeah. whole front row is nothing but people that are usually there. Yep. Look Straw at the village people there. cop down there. By the way, I see that village people cop uh, out there. Straw hat guys there. Um, the ref should be counting that spot. They, he fucked that up. He's just watching it instead of counting it. Um, it is kind of interesting. John, referee John Finnegan, who Joey Styles can't stop fucking yelling about. Uh, we'll talk about Joey Styles here in a second too, but Paul Heyman would go on to use Conan as a point of contact, as I mentioned for the Luchadors, uh, but he wanted to add it with an extreme style. He would say that with the talent raids of WCW, it was nice. a smart move by Eric Bischoff as uh, he was in competition with the WWF. He said that on the um, Rise and Fall of ECW uh, documentary, um, and that Bischoff was able to swoop in and take uh, all those guys before the WWF did. Uh, a lot of those people would include, as we mentioned, Benoit, Malenko, Jericho, Guerrero, Public Enemy, and others. Ugh, public Enemy. Fuck Public Enemy. And Rey Mysterio. Man, all- Flyboy Rocco oh, Rock, man. It's a fucking cool, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep cut, guys. You can listen, uh, watch some of that hardcore TV. Uh, Ray's going to do a uh, fake dive here. He gets a kick, and he's going to hit him with an os- or a springboard um moonsault there very similar to what Sami Zayn does uh these days look at how close those guardrails are to the ring that they have no room there to do anything none the yeah there's very very little room um but they make room this match is actually they set a really good pace uh for it being two out of three falls and of course these guys are gonna have a good match because they've you know been wrestling each other since you know for probably with the last like three years in Mexico and ECW now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Catches Rey Mysterio right here, and he does a that? power bomb, and his head bounces right off the fucking canvas. Something I noticed too, but this ring has no fucking give whatsoever. Uh, also, something there, like if this would be in uh, that spot, would have been in today's time. Um, they'd have done a, like a spider rana, like reverse hurricane rana off oh, the yeah. damn second rope or some shit. Like it wouldn't even have been the tilt oral um, sunset flip bomb. The cool thing about this is, you know. They always talk about the crowd being bloodthirsty uh, in in Philadelphia. And this is where the second match took place was in Philly. And they pretty much appreciate everything they do in this match. They don't shit on one thing they do. Uh, Once again, though, they don't really fuck any spots up here. They're so crisp and smooth. It's, it's, it's Mm. really kind of impressive to watch because they really did integrate the style of Lucha Libre into something bigger. This, this is awesome. It does like a front flip mule kick. Oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. And like he almost he almost lost it there, but he fucking saved it. 
And if he didn't hit it right, then he at least, you know, turned it into something much like The Undertaker and Bret Hart did at uh, One Night Only. Oh, here we go. We're getting a dragon suplex here. Beautiful with a bridge, two, and three. Hoovy takes the first fall about six minutes in. Uh, going back real quick, Ray Mysterio credits Paul Heyman uh, for being the first promotion to bring him into the States. Uh, and he would also say that it was exciting for the American audience to see Luchador style thanks to ECW. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really feel like a lot of people say these things like, oh, UCW was so groundbreaking. But at the time, man, how many people were really watching this? Like, I know I know Heyman goes on and says, you know, Bischoff, we were on their radar, this and that. But were they really? Uh, they may have been just through the dealings that they had had, like, uh, you know, where they shared talent with the lawsuits and things. Um and other wrestlers, you know, talking about it. But, like, to me, I never watched a single ECW episode until it became on TNN because I didn't get it in North Carolina. Or if I did, I couldn't find it. Um, so ECW was not on my radar at this time. Yeah, the first time I can really think of, like I was telling you about, you know, earlier in the podcast when we were talking about watching uh, when I lived in Indianapolis, it was Taz versus some jobber. Is, is what I really remember. And I think Taz uh, may have been getting into it with Shane Douglas. I think um, trying to put the time frame together, like 97, 96, 97. So it would have been around that time. But uh, that's that's kind of what I remember from it. You had your, you had your pockets, like Florida, uh, the Northeast. That was your main pockets for ECW. Um, I did – I wanted to address that, like, pretty much Mysterio no-sold the pin after he got pinned, which – it's not a whole lot of selling in this match, but it's just high-paced, fast-paced action. I think they a lot of people. Some, but like, a lot of people don't really. Oh, this spot's not. freaking awesome right here. Hold on before we kind of move on there. Oh, that was badass. Use Finnegan. I feel like you could tell Ray was going to be a star after that dive. Like it, he, there was something special about Ray Mysterio, and for him being as small as he is, and for him to have the longevity that he has in wrestling is, is kind of astonishing, man, considering, you know, for the longest time, people like him size wise, they, it was almost like, Oh, Oh, well. And, and he kind of broke through. He, I mean, I feel like he ECW's, gets credit, ECW's fucking video quality is so shit though. I yeah, it swear, bad. man, it's so bad. Yeah. They didn't do any upgrading fucking power bomb. One, two, two count. Ray is getting kind of pissed off here. He's going to do a line salt. Springboard line salt. Boom! But see, that's the good thing about Ray Mysterio. Even he's, his face is covered, but his body language is still telling you like he's frustrated, he's mad, he's throwing his hands, he's, you know, he's he's making it known without being able to use the, the facials that he's upset about it. Oh, yeah. And this was in, at a young age, he's already on top of that stuff, so. Like I said, he was, I believe he was 19 when he got signed by WCW, which is wild to think about. And, I mean, he would be there for five years, so he turned 24 years old wrestling for WCW. Uh, great drop kick. Oh, man. Hoobie went to go with for a springboard off the top rope, and Ray caught him. He's going to hit him with a doctor bomb here. Got a wrench power bomb. Beautiful. One, two, three. The second fall, Ray Mysterio wins that one. Uh, about nine minutes in. Yeah. So that, that was a nice little doctor bomb there. Nice little finish. I want to talk about this really quick too. You mentioned to me, Joey styles. Um, 
and how you feel on commentary with him. I actually think he's pretty good in this match. He's just his calling is so fake. Like it's just like over here we have things happening and look at this drop kick and they can tell him like he's not watching it live. He's doing the voiceovers afterwards. Like I I just have never been a Joey Styles fan. Like I get he's doing all this by himself, but for me, like he's people are like, Oh, he's just as good as Jim Ross, or he's just no, he's no. not. Like he's not that good. Like I give him props he, for what he did, but I just don't like his commentary style. For the position he was put in, I think he did great. I think if you would have had him do your play-by-play and would have had a heel do color, it would have been better. So if you would like, I know later on they have him and um oh my god, why am I blanking on his name? Shane Douglas. Fuck, Shane no Douglas. fucking um Rip Cyrus. Oh, oh yeah, fuck? Cyrus the virus. Oh, what the fuck? I can't think of his name. He's in fucking AEW with fucking Don Callis. Don Callis. Don Callis. Jesus Christ. God, I couldn't think of John, Don yeah. Callis' name. Uh, they, they do. He he does some commentary with him in late ninety, uh, in late ninety nine, uh, early two thousands, and mm-hmm. it's pretty good. I, I like the way that they feed off each other. And Joey's is a good babyface play by play guy. Oh man, here we go taking it to the extreme here. I don't know how I feel about Hoobie's mask. It's a very generic sh- mask, but you gotta think this is ninety six. Oh, so. Asai Moon Salt right there. All the way to the outside. The ECW crowd's going crazy. That guy's about to spill his beer on Rey Mysterio and I have no enough to drink. I'm pretty sure Hoovy knocked some guy's beer out of his hand with his foot. Oh, look, fat-ass Finnegan can't get over the guardrail. Oh, man. You right, though. Like, it's just, right. I don't know. I just, I'm just not a Joey Styles fan. and I did like him and Rick Rude together for the brief little time, but I just, I don't know. I feel like he's overhyped. Oof. Anybody that watched watches wrestling room they'll know or listen to wrestling room they'll know that i feel like ecw is overhyped it's not it doesn't hold up to me a lot of it like people look at it through rose-colored glasses this match though still very good would hold up today with what's going on well, i mean on. even with a, a plethora of turds every once in a while you're gonna have a gold mine here oh this is great right here watch this he's gonna do a boom catches him in a power bomb one two kick out Ah oh, man, I feel like that over the gut wrench powerbomb. That should have been a finish for one of the falls right there. That was pretty awesome. I agree. That was a that was a lot more powerful than a dragon suplex. Yeah, he hit some of the Northern opinion. Light suplex right here. It's weird that they uh, they both they they both hit each other with Northern Light suplexes, but don't make the pin like bridge the pin. It's weird. Oh, this is a badass move right here. Ooh. Oh. It was it was a press slam into a sack of shit, and it was pretty awesome. I like the gorilla press from Young Ultimate Warrior, by the way. <laughs> oh, and another heel kick here. I just we're gonna fall. Tope Suicida? No, oh, dang it, no. Yeah, nice oh. though, fucking nice. It's like a head scissor take take over. Uh, we finally start to see some hardcore action here shortly with a uh, with a chair. And, of course, you're going to see a, a crazy-ass plancha. Um, I do think that Hoovy doesn't get the credit he deserves because he was great. Oh, yeah, I agree. Hoovitude gets lost in the shuffle quickly after he loses his mask in WCW. Like, he loses his luster after the Jericho feud. And that straw hat guy here, 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 hands him a chair. Handing him a chair. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Square on the head. Here comes his fucking plancha. 
He's like, y'all might want to fucking move. Oh, God fuck damn, it. Dude, he almost kicked Straw Hat guy. Fuck it. He almost kicked Straw Hat guy right in the fucking face. Last two weeks, fuck it. <laughs> it's literally his last match, so fuck it. Dude, this, oh, man. This is a pretty cool match, and they start working their way to the fucking uh, outside area, which uh, Paul Heyman made a joke about this on the ECW documentary where he said he um, it was a good thing that his dad was a lawyer because he would have been sued uh, you know, a, a million times over. And he says that this was a fan's car out here that they do th- some moves on, which is fucking wild. Well, I was just like, oh, someone's car. This makes you realize how fucking small this place is, though, because they go from the ring to outside in 20 seconds. Yeah, he's <laughs> That's literally he's all it power- takes. He power bombs on this oh. fucking car. He starts to slide on off. On a Ford Taurus. On a Ford Taurus. He kicks him. This should have been the finish, honestly. That was great. That was fucking run off the car. It was beautiful. Yeah, it looked great. He's gonna lead him back to the fucking ring. The crowd's out there. Crowd's hyped right now. And, and for this to be an, an ECW, they don't really use any weapons. Yeah, it gets power bombed on a fucking car, but like, I mean, he could have been power bombed on the edge of the ring or something too. Like, it just, it's just, I, I, I do like this aspect of ECW when they're not. Fun. Well, I just said that, and then he throws a chair. <laughs> he throws yeah, a chair in his the face. Chair hits him. It lands right on his head. He stays on there. The crowd starts chanting they want tables, um, which is definitely an ECW thing. So Ray's going to go over here and start clearing this table. And this is probably the only nitpick I have about this match is what happens with that table after the match. They don't go, they do not go weapon heavy in this match, which is surprising. Oh, Oh, here comes the finish. This is a beautiful finish. We've seen this finish used multiple times in WCW as well. He's going to, uh, is on the, you know, the second rope. He's going to try to hit a crucifix powerbomb on Ray. Ray jumps over, hits him with a Hurricane Rana, and he covers him. One, two, three. That's the finish. And Crowd. that's a reversal in WCW and Revenge, by the way. It is. Going to reverse it. The crowd pops super hard for Ray, man. They're, they're, they were yeah. completely invested. They had nothing bad to say. The crowd, you know, we're chanting for tables. Uh, Ray, Myst- I think they're still chanting for tables. And um, oh, they they're, are. Ch- they're chanting Ray. So Ray's all hyped up right now, and he's going to roll him out to the to the outside. And they're going to go to this fucking table, and they're going to do a sit down a sit down power bomb, sit out power bomb, and break the table. And of course, Joey Styles is going to say, "Oh my oh god." My god. <laughs> Fuck you, Joey Styles. Piece of that shit. That is my only complaint is that should have been the finish of the match. Then he hits him with a chair. Again, chair. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was a plastic hard chair, too. And then we get the quick cut to Mikey, Mikey Whitrick. Whitrick. And that is the match from Big Ass Extreme Bash 1996. Um, what a match. Great fucking match. Great fucking pace. Um, you know, like I said, my only complaint about it is that uh, – the powerbomb through the table. It, it just it felt like that should have been the finish. That shouldn't have been the uh, uh, aftermatch stuff. You know what I mean? It should have been the finish, and he should have pinned him out there. One, two, three. Yep, I agree. Like, the, if you're going to use the table, just that, that be the end into the match, which the end of the had was nice. They didn't even have to do the table spot, but they did yeah. it. So. I, I wonder if they were told to go home, and then they did it, and he didn't want to piss the fans off because they were all chanting tables, and they do it was their last night. Last, last two weeks, fuck it. And they just go out there and uh, fucking break <laughs> to the table. <laughs> well, why not? Just fucking do it. 
the aftermath, as we mentioned, Rey Mysterio would go on to debut for WCW June 16th. So this was in March, April, May. So about two and a half months later, um, almost three months, about three months later, he would debut for WCW at the Great American Bash, challenging Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, on the July oh, 8th edition, debut. yeah, hell yeah, it's a good match too. On the July 8th edition of WCW Nitro, he would go on to defeat uh, Dean Malenko to win his first Cruiserweight title. He was only in the company for fucking less than a month, and he became Cruiserweight mm-hmm. champion, which is telling that they had uh, big things planned for him, which the Cruiserweight title could change hands because um, you had such a plethora of talent that could be a part of the division. So, I mean, it makes sense to me. Um, he would go on to be a Cruiserweight champion six times. Uh, he would win the WCW titles three uh, tag titles three times. One of those times was actually with Hoovy which I thought was pretty interesting just because they were part of the filthy animals together. Uh, and he would go on to have a long and successful run. Uh, WC or WCW would close in 2001 and he would go on to uh, join WWE in 2002 and pretty much would be there. Um, I would say off and on, but he was only gone for a little while. Um, and he's currently there and his son is also wrestling for the company. Yeah, but so he did kill a man in his break though. He did. He did. He was also part of Lucha Underground, um, and he also yep. – uh, they don't talk about this a whole lot, but there was that little period when he was not signed where he was working shows like IWA Mid-South and working mm-hmm. CM Punk and Eddie Guerrero in three-way matches. So that's pretty uh, – he, he was also a part of All In, right? He was. He was He was in the main event of All In. Um, but, yeah, so like I said, notable things here and there, but mainly been a WWE mainstay. Um, for years, and I'm pretty sure he just signed a new contract as well, so that was pretty interesting. Hoovy would uh, make his WCW debut August 26th, so it was a little bit further down the road. Uh, it was on Nitro, and he would defeat Billy Kidman in his debut. Uh, he would go on to have a lower level, be a lower level staple of the Cruiserweight div- division, winning the title twice. Uh, he was infamously demasked by Chris Jericho at Super Brawl 8. Um, during Jericho's amazing heel run with the Cruiserweight title uh, into the television title, I believe. October 2000, during a WCW tour of Australia, Hoovy was arrested after an incident in which he was found naked and screaming in a hallway of the hotel he was staying in and then was attacking officers who had arrived to detain him. It was reported he was under the influence of PCP at the time. Uh, and he was Hoovy shortly- juice. Yeah, he would surely be fired <laughs> after that. Um, he would have moderate success in the WWE, being a part of the Mexicals. Uh, very short-lived, yeah. didn't last very long. And he currently still one works de- on the indies. One deer, man. You can drive a one deer. But yeah, great match, Travis. I'm glad we got to watch this one. Um, I feel like it is a good match. Some people may have seen it, but it's one of those matches that people sleep on. It's not like you know the, the WrestleMania Five match we had. This match was uh, relatively it was short and sweet. It had a lot of you know, and a lot of impact to it. And I really enjoyed it. A lot of action, a lot of impact, um, help these guys get noticed. Um, like you said, it's one that's not talked about near enough as it should be. Um, it's glossed over now and more so than it used to be with, they don't really don't talk about uh, Ray's ECW career as much as they used to, but, um, uh, definitely wanted, wanted to put it out there. Cause to me, it's one of ECW's better matches that, um, you could look at and, See some talent, young and upcoming. So now, guys, on to next week's episode. I have it right here, Travis. The Wheel of Names. TNA. TNA. It says we have 155 TNA. matches on here still, which is fucking wild. I still have a list. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't given you, so. 
All right. Well, uh, of course, guys, if you are new to the podcast, this list that we've compiled, this is how we pick episodes of what the next episode we're going to cover, which next match we're going to cover. There is NWA, TNA, New Japan, AEW, WWE, WWF, WCW, and even NGW local wrestling um, that I'm involved with NGW matches on here as well. So, uh, Travis, should we spin the wheel and make the deal? Let's do it. Spooky season. Spin the wheel, make the deal. Spin the wheel, make the deal. I'm hitting spin. Coal miner's glove. Coal miner's glove. (laughs) Coal miner's glove. I will tell you, I watched the NXT, uh, the NXT show, and Grayson Waller kept yelling, "Coal miner's glove match," made me laugh. (laughs) Ooh, so I think this is also another one of your matches. Oh Uh, shit! Let's go. Stunning Steve Austin versus Ricky Steamboat from Clash of the Champions. Fuck yeah. Is this the is this yeah. when Steamboat hurt, uh, breaks his back, hurts his back, and has to retire? I I don't remember if this is the one he gets hurt on or not. Um, I, I think this is the Dragon Slayer tights though, Dragon Slayer. I think or is, the, it, it, or is, is that, that Bash of the Beach? Is that Bash, that, of, the Bash of the Beach? It may be both. I just know Steamboat and fucking Austin put on some classics, and this is a very very damn good match. Put Steve Austin on the map. And probably got him noticed by people like Bret Hart more than anything else he did in his WCW Yo, career. I'm excited to dive into this one just because um, randomly, it's funny you mentioned that. Randomly, I started watching. I couldn't sleep one night, and I was watching slash listening to the Broken Skull session with Bret Hart again. And Bret was basically you know one of Steve Austin's biggest um, companions to get him over into the WWF because he saw something and Austin would go on to say, you know, Brett would um, say he saw Steve Austin stone cold coming before he did. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. This is going to be a fun one to watch. Um, hopefully I can, I can scrounge up some really cool promos of Austin and, you know, get some really interesting shit in here. But before we finish this episode, Travis, what you got going on, buddy? Well, not a whole lot, man. Just still selling stuff over there. It's TGL the Man 12 on the Ebays. Um, nothing down the pike, you know, just getting ready for uh, Halloween and all that fun stuff. And uh, that's about it, man. Not a whole lot coming up. I got a couple more podcasts coming up with the Wrestling Purist for uh, WCW 2000. We're rounding out the year on that with uh, Mayhem and Starcade. I think I record Mayhem, not this weekend, but the next. So craptastic wcw 2000 which we have no matches from on our list i don't think so i think there was one match you probably throw on there uh i know it was on one of the best of the nitro dvds it was lance storm versus booker t i think you could probably True. throw that match on there um but i'm not going to uh, even though i love lance storm um speaking of podcasts uh i'm actually going to be recording tomorrow night which would be thursday we record typically on our wednesdays here on thursday uh with brandon at rants from the black lodge to do uh, a trick-or-treat in-depth retrospective. Um, Not the trick-or-treat 2007 movie with Sam. Uh, This is the um, trick-or-treat that has uh, Fastway and Sammy Kerr and uh, Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons. So I'm really excited to be on that one. So uh, definitely go check out at Rants from the Black Lodge on all social media platforms. Uh, hopefully before too long, we can get a new episode of Wrestling Ruined out, uh, courtesy of the Project Louder Network. And yeah, yeah. Um, NG- NGW is pretty much done for the year. We have some fun things down the pike. Um, me and Cody are 
are planning some really good things. So check us out at nextgentn.net. Um, High Spots Wrestling Network. You can find all of the NGW shows on High Spots. Uh, and definitely now, guys, check us out. We just started our Facebook page at Wrestling Recommendations. I will probably be starting a Twitter page here soon, posting cool little clips and little gifts. Um, Travis saw the gifts I've posted of uh, the uh, this match that we just covered, um, some of the crazy stuff that happened in it. Um, But yeah, guys, definitely check us out for the next episode, which will be Steve Austin versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat from Clash of the Champions. I am your host, Eddie, along with Travis Lasseter. And guys, we will see you next time.